are the Mystery History Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Jordan. Hello. Hello. Welcome to episode 10. Hello. 10 episodes. Technically, it's 11th, but. Well. That one didn't count. We're not going to count that. Mm-mm. It's 10, and that's a big accomplishment. It is. Do you remember turning 10? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, a weird question. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game out of left field. You don't remember? You're like, <laughs> I can see your brain turning. I was like, what you about to say? <laughs> You're like, do you remember turning 10? <laughs> Absolutely not. Do you? I remember you turning 10 because I was 17. Was that a good day? It was a sick party. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Damn right it was. <laughs> it was probably like, I don't know, race cars or something. Probably a little bit of football going on in the backyard. Real cool. A little bit of PlayStation 2. Yeah. Some NFL Street. That's right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway. What a, what a trip down memory lane that was not expected. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh. what I'm here for, your memories. Didn't think we were going to go into this uh, Zodiac Killer episode talking about my 10th birthday, but here we are. Here we are, episode 10. I like it. <laughs> Zodiacs and birthdays. <laughs> Sounds like a terrible album name. It does. We should. Oh. Zodiacs and birthdays. Let's record. That's like a fifty cent song somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we're on episode ten. We're doing the Zodiac this week. We typically record on Sunday, but mm. we're recording Monday today. Yeah, because so, of Father's Day. Yeah. So today's the day that you'll get this. Yes. Probably. Well, I don't need to tell you a time because when it's out, you'll see it. You'll know. Yep. Don't want to say a time and be wrong and then sound dumb, right. so I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was Father's Day yesterday, so we mm-hmm. spent time with our dad. Yep. And um, so we want to give dad a shout out. Shout he, out. He listens occasionally. I don't think so, but he's out there. Especially Wherever you out. are. Huh? Happy this Father's for Day, you, dad. dad. <laughs> Ronald, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to our stepdad, Brian, mm-hmm. and to my baby daddy, mm-hmm. Josh. Mm-hmm. Happy Father's Day, folks. Happy Father's Day, y'all. That's what, probably anytime there's a holiday on a Sunday, it'll be like this, where it comes out later in the day on Monday. Yeah. Because we got family. Yeah. We got a lot of. We do stuff. Complicated stuff going on. Got to be a lot of places. Yep. And it would have been, I was not feeling being here till 11 with you, spending any more time. Yeah, gross. over it. Yep. So, um, yeah. So, what else we got? We got, we hit 2,000 followers. Listens. Downloads, yeah. Yeah. Downloads, listens, I don't know. Streams, I yeah, think is the correct streams. word, but yeah. they call it downloads, but. Yeah, so thank you to everybody downloading our yeah. shenanigans. Yeah, it really is awesome to see that. I was kind of shocked. Because it was like two weeks ago, we had a thousand. Yeah. And that doubled in a we're, week, in two weeks. We're picking up momentum. It's pretty wild, yeah. Yeah. Really cool to see. Very cool. Hope you guys are liking it. Yeah. Except for the, the guy who left the. One and two star review. Yeah, what the what's up with that, man? You can still listen, I guess, but like, just have better judgment. Yeah, like just we're five star quality yeah, for just sure. Like, use your brain sometimes. Duh, that'd be cool. Yeah, no, they didn't leave <laughs> any comments. Thank God, because I was really worried about like <laughs> I only check it once, like every week or so, because it doesn't notify us whenever we get a new one. No, yeah, they kind of need to fix that. Every time, I'm kind of like <laughs> squinting, like, oh, what's it gonna say? But we have. It'll hurt my soul. Yeah, we have 20 plus um, five star reviews though. So yeah. that, that balances. We, we're at a 4.5 right now. Yeah, the one kind of drags it down pretty Yeah, hard. way to go. But one star. Let us, if you feel that way, f- tell it to us. I guess. Let us know. 
We're getting better. Really? But, well, you really uh, want them to let us know? No, you can keep that to you yourself. You can check the comments that day because no, I can, can't emotionally handle it. Yeah, take it back what I said a second ago. Yeah. Keep that. Whatever. You. If you want to give us a journal. one star, yeah. do that. But I don't want to hear it. Do that, but don't do that. <laughs> yeah, just think about do doing it. Do that once and then go back and give us a five star. <laughs> just hover your finger over the one and then just yeah. don't tap it. <laughs> However, I really got to give a shout out to the person that did leave a comment, mm-hmm. which was a five star review. And it basically just said, the header was, you told me to. (laughs) And then the body of it said, these guys are good. Yep. And if you remember our last podcast, that's exactly what we said. (laughs) So thank you for somebody in the world (laughs) listening to me. Really listening. So that is SNS2419. So if you are SNS2419, please send us a message because Mm. I'd love to know who you are because you're hilarious. (laughs) And we appreciate it. Yep. Uh, let's give a few shout outs, of course, uh, to our BFFs over at Dead Academy podcast. Mm-hmm. You can check them out on Instagram, Facebook, anywhere you download your, your podcast. They discuss true crime and the paranormal. Um, we have a new shout out to give this week. Uh, Daniel and Addison, our friends started their own podcast. I would like to think that we inspired them. I would say so. We are inspirers. Inspirations. Inspirational. That's the word. word. (laughs) I feel like inspirer is a word. Inspirer. Yeah. So we did that. And now they have their own podcast called Mm -hmm. The Late Night Slice. Like a pizza slice. Peachy. I'm not going to lie. Fat kid comment. Their picture (laughs) is of a pizza slice. Looks pretty good. Their tagline should be, I love you like a fat kid love pizza. Ooh. Like 50 Cent. 50 but cent. his was, I love you like a fat kid love cake. And that's yeah. probably the most romantic line I've ever heard in a song, honestly. Could be. Because that's a lot of love. It's pretty up there. <laughs> I love cake. I like pizza more than cake, though. Yeah, fair. Because it's, like, cheesy. <laughs> um, But, yeah, so go check them out. If you want to get a break from, like, dead things and murder and mystery and mayhem. mayhem. Oh, good word. Gore, blood, guts, all yeah, that. Yeah, murder. The indoor system. The indoor system. Jaws falling apart. Yeah. That's probably not fun to listen to while you're eating dinner, but hey. No. But go check them out. Yeah. They, they don't talk about that stuff. No. <laughs> they talk about video games, film, random stuff. Film. It's just like what they're, what they're streaming. Why does it sound so much more like official when you say film instead of movies? I don't know. Sounds more like artistic. Yeah. You say, I made a film instead of I made a movie. I made a film. Mm. Film sounds more like Sundance. Mm. Mm-hmm. Movie sounds like the mm. stuff I like. More like drive-in. Yeah. <laughs> drive-in. <laughs> so, yes. Um, yeah. We also, big deal. We got a lot of big deals going on. So, so it's crazy life. It uh, is. How are we living right now, this life? We're living good. (laughs) L-I-V-I-N. We got our first Patreon. We talk about Patreon every episode. We finally got one. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) But we appreciate you. Stephanie. Stephanie, Stephanie. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm -hmm. It really melted my heart to see that email. Uh, We really, really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you would like... To donate, like Stephanie, mm-hmm. you can. Cool kid. Yep. You can. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a button. Yeah, on our website, mm-hmm. www. <laughs> dot <laughs> <Worldwide> web dot <laughs> mysteryhistorypodcast.com. 
And there's a link on there that you can subscribe to that. Mm-hmm. Or if you're on Patreon already, just you have an account. It's Miss. Uh, Patreon.com slash Mysteration Podcast. Yeah. So you can go straight to the Either page. Either way. Yeah. There's multiple avenues. We make it easy for you. We do. You know? Really anywhere. Even if you probably Googled Patreon <laughs> Mystery History Podcast, it would probably take you right there. Oh, yeah. We're all about making it easy for you <laughs> to give us your money. People pleasers. Thank you. Yep. Um, I think this might be the biggest news <clears throat> that we have this week. For you, yes, for sure. For me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Probably the biggest news of the year. Probably my whole life. Yeah it's, yeah, it's pretty big news. Well, I hope it's not. We <laughs> sad. We got a decorative pillow sale, guys. Mm-hmm. Somebody fwing, bought, fwing. <laughs> Somebody got a decorative pillow, and it is Dana. Uh-huh. Thank you, Dana, for your order. I am so stoked. You don't even know. You about that? Be so comfy, Dana. We're gonna be yeah. Yeah, and it's a conversation piece. Like uh-huh. if somebody walks into your house and sees that pillow on your couch, boom. Uh-huh. You can talk about us. They'll be like, oh, what's that? And I'll be like, oh, do you like murder, mystery, and mayhem, and blood and guts, and other things? And then the person's like, yeah. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you might want to check these people out. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's how I envision that going. I've definitely, this is, this is like, this is the thing that has made my life the worth thing. living. Yeah, okay. This decorative sale pillow. I have the same sentiment, but yeah, you, that's good for yeah. you. Mm-hmm. So Dana, whenever you get this pillow... <laughs> Can you take a picture and tag us in it? Because that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Wherever you want to put it. It doesn't have to be your couch. It could be on your chair. It doesn't like like the garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Dana. Worst pillow. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't do that to me. That'd be funny, though. Oh, it'd be so high and then so low. (laughs) I feel like I'm just giving up. Oh, that'd be funny. Don't do that, please. That would hurt. No, yeah. You can put it on your bed, (laughs) on a chair, anywhere. Yep. Yep. All right. So, like we mentioned... What, 10 minutes ago? We're going to talk about Zodiac today. Mm-hmm. So why don't you give the listeners an overview? Here is an overview. The self-proclaimed Zodiac killer was directly linked to at least five murders in Northern California in 1968 and 1969 and may have been responsible for more. He taunted police and made threats through letters uh, sent to Ariel, Ariel, Area, <laughs> area newspapers from 1969 to 1974 before stopping communication. Despite intensive investigations, no one was ever arrested for the crimes, and the case remains open. The mystery surrounding the murders has been subject to numerous books and movies, including the director uh, David Fincher's acclaimed 2007 feature, Zodiac. Which sucked. Yeah, not good. I like David Fincher. What's He's he do? Very, he did that one movie. It's like, it was like uh, I forget what the fuck it's called. Man, that's good. That's yeah, a good that's a movie. good one. Ooh. What the fuck? Let me, I need to hang on. Hold on. Dude. Anyway, I'll tell you about my experience with that movie. I hated it. Yeah, it was very long. It was very long it was and about boring. An hour and a half too long, and it's three it hours. Could have been so. way better. Yeah. I feel like they had a really good premise, but just dropped the ball. And mm-hmm. I really like Jake Gyllenhaal. Wasn't he in it? Yeah, he was like the. Uh, and wasn't the other guy Robert Downey? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was like right after he came back from. From like being a drug addict. Yeah. Well, he did Seven, Gone Girl, Social Network. Hmm. What's this? He did some Mindhunter too. I guess Seven was kind. Of, I like Seven, the movie. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? Mm-hmm. That's with Brad Pitt and uh, what's his Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was kind of I could see where he would have done that because it was kind of slow too. Yeah. But I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it. He did Panic Room. Mm, Jody. 
I don't know what. She panics. <laughs> In a room. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. I can't find the movie I'm thinking of. It's like comic booky. Mm. Or no, that is. I'm not even. That's a different guy. Hmm. Fucking brain, huh? Duh. Big brain on Brad. <laughs> Get the big brain on Brad. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So no, wasn't a fan. Wasn't a fan. No. It's very. Is cinematically like beautiful. Like the way it was shot was like great. It looked like it was like San Francisco in the '60s, mm-hmm. which is awesome. But yeah. it just very most of the time was spent in that like newsroom. Yeah. Because they were getting all the letters. Right. So it was like, you had this beautiful I mean, world outside and you were sitting in a desk. If you think about it, though, what really could we, I mean, <clears throat> since, I don't know, that's tough. Because you don't know who the Zodiac is. Yeah, it is hard to base so a So like, how him. do you, yeah. do you do the murders and then how do you still keep his concealed identity because you don't know who he is? Mm. I don't know. I just know it could have been better. I can't remember, but the way I I would do it is just after the fact. I would have done an alternate universe, like my man, Quentin Tarantino. Like where you knew who it was? No, like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. That movie, I really wish that's how it happened. Yeah. If nobody, if people have not seen that, watch it. It's really long too. It's like three hours long. But that one is like the dialogue in it is very like very good, intriguing. Yeah, keeps you on the edge of your seat. Well, it doesn't. It's just very. It keeps you entertained. It's, inter- it's interesting. Yeah. Because then you got, what's that guy, the Kung Fu dude? Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee's mm-hmm. in it. And it's just, it's really cool how they tie it all together. And the last, like, what, 10 minutes? Yeah, Is, 15, like, yeah. the most exciting thing I've ever seen in my life. It was, yeah. It was worth all of it. I remember the first time I, like, watched it in the theater, like, my jaw was dropped. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. And, <laughs> like, then, like, <laughs> and then it kind of also gives you that eerie feeling, too, because you know that's not what happened. I wish yeah. it was how it happened, Mm-mm. but I don't know. It's, it's just, like Inglorious Bastards where they yeah, yeah. shredded Hitler. Yes. Like, that was Why wild. couldn't it have been like that? Yeah. That, was, that movie was a fantastic movie, too. Yeah. He is like, his brain works so wild. Like, mm-hmm. he has like seven different stories going on, and they all come together. And it's like, how in the world do you think of that? And it's always backwards and forwards. Yeah, Pulp and Fiction was side very. Side to side. Yeah. I love him, though. You either love him or you hate him, though. Because mm-hmm. all of his movies are weird like that. Yeah, Kill Reservoir. Bills are like my favorite. I don't know. I've never seen the second one. <gasps> I know. Really? I have them. I bought them on that Voodoo. They had like a bundle. Yeah. The bundle I've never watched the disc. The bundle with a disc. No, I've never seen uh, Jackie Brown either. I've never seen Jackie Brown. No, it's got Samuel in it. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Sorry. Anyways. For the Quentin. Quentin. Check him out. <laughs> Shout out, Quentin. <laughs> we know you're listening. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about. So I did this. I did the notes in chronological order. So some of these are suspected to be him, mm-hmm. and some are actually, like, they're confirmed. Right. So we'll tell you which one's which whenever we go over it. Maybe. Or just leave you guess. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. How about you tell me yeah, you what tell you me. think? Shit. So, Get one of our pillows, lounge back, and <laughs> no. let's fucking party. <laughs> All right. The first one is Robert Domingos and Linga, Linda, whoa, Linda, Linda Edwards. And this happened June 4th, 1963. This is a suspected one. Um, On June 4th, 1963, high school senior Robert Domingos and fiance Linda Edward were shot in the head. Dead. Dead. That'll do it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, don't do that. We're not trying to be disrespectful, but they're dead. And that's not even really true. What do you mean? That's not true. They were just shot dead. They weren't shot in the head. I added head. Oh, I didn't do Okay. I feel you. We're in the same page I feel now. like they could have been shot in the head. I smell what you're stepping in. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> um, they, they were shot dead on a beach near Olympic. 
they skipped school because it was senior ditch day. Did you ever ditch? Uh, yes. Did you ever like ditch like regularly? No. I was sick a lot. I never had anything to do. Like, what do you do? Like, what? I, I mean, like, you do stuff. What do you, all your friends are in school. So, what are you just going to go sit well, in Not your room? if you have a group of friends. They're all in school. You don't have any friends? That are in school. What if they ditched with you? <laughs> <laughs> then it would be suspicious. Well, yeah, that's the whole point. Uh uh-uh. uh. Senior ditch day is when all the seniors ditch. Well, yeah, but everyone knows. Do they? Yeah, I'm pretty I mean, sure the whole do. fucking class doesn't they show up. They do whenever nobody's there. <laughs> like, son of, what a coincidence. Everybody's sick. <laughs> That's wild. Huh? Well, now, maybe it's COVID. Well, yeah, they don't even go to school anymore. They don't. What's yep. with that? Anyway. And that, side note, again, we're like, side note, side note. But it's like inception. But isn't that wild? They were, I just read that they were married. There, it was senior ditch day. They're high yeah. school seniors, and there is his fiance. Yeah, that's wild. That's what they do. The summer of love. That still that's happens. Not yet. That's that not still yet. happens. No. You watch Shameless? Yeah. No. <gasps> oh, it's so good. It took me a minute to get into it. I don't know how we're on Shameless, but we are in Tangent City over here. But I'm on episode or season nine, and Carl, 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 Carl is engaged or no married now. Yeah, but isn't he like eighty now? That show's been on for fucking twenty years. Carl, he's like fourteen. No. No, he's, he's like, like 14 16. when it started. No, he's no, he was a baby baby. Anyway. Every time I hear Carl, I think of Jimmy Neutron. Really? I always think of... Uh, Carl. I always think of Walking Dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck, that show. Fuck that show, too. Yeah. I stopped bad. that. Oh, yeah. um, anyway, so they were skipping school <laughs> for Senior Ditch Day. Be, man. This is going to be a long episode, Get folks. your... Uh, yeah. Um, Police believed that the assailant attempted to bind the victims, uh, but they were able to free themselves, and they attempted to run away. The killer shot them repeatedly in the back and chest. See, it wasn't in the head, folks. Mm. I was lying to you. It was in the back and the chest with a twenty-two caliber weapon. Uh, the killer then placed their bodies in a small shack and then tried to burn down the structure, but he failed. Hmm. So he's a good shot, but a bad arsonist. Yeah. That's, mm. well, yeah. good, I guess. I guess you can't be a jack-of-all-trades <laughs> all the time. Okay. The next one is Sherry Joe Bates, which was October 30th, 1966. And this was another suspected one. Um, on October 30th, 1966, 18-year-old Sherry Joe Bates, a student of Riverside Community College, spent the evening um, at the campus library annex until it closed at 9 p.m. Neighbors reported hearing a scream around 10.30 p.m., and Bates was found the next found dead the next morning, a short distance from the library, uh, between two abandoned houses marked to be <laughs> demolished for campus renovations. The wires in her Volkswagen distributor cap had been pulled out. She was brutally beaten and stabbed to death. A man's ta- Timex watch with a torn wristband was found nearby. The time had stopped at 1224, but police believe the attack occurred much earlier. A month later, on November 29, 1966, nearly identical typewritten, uh, typewritten letters were mailed to the Riverside Police and the Riverside Press Enterprise, titled The Confession. The author claimed the responsibility for the Bates murder, providing details of the crime that were not released to the public. The author warned that Bates is not the first and she will not be the last. In December 1966, a poem was discovered carved into the bottom side of a desktop at the uh, Riverside City College, um, titled Sick, Sick of Living, Unwilling to Die. Ooh. The poem's language and handwritten handwriting resembled that of the Zodiac's letters. It was signed uh, with what were assumed to be in the initials R.H. 
During the 1970 investigation, Sherwood Morrill. What a name. What a name. That's a fucking investigator. Or it could be Morell. No. Okay. I don't think so. (laughs) California's top question documents examiner. What a title. Didn't even know that was a thing in the police. How do you get that? Yeah. Whenever you're little, that's what you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. What do you do? I question documents. (laughs) Every fucking day. (laughs) (laughs) He takes a big old sip of whiskey. Um, he expresses, expressed his opinion that the poem was written by the Zodiac. On April 30th, 1967, exactly six months after the Bates murders, Bates' father, Joseph, the Press Enterprise, and the Riverside Police all received nearly identical letters. In a handwritten scrawl, the Press Enterprise and the police copies read, um, Bates had to die, and there will be more, with a small scribble at the bottom that re- resembled the letter Z. Joseph Bates' copy read, she, will, she had to die, there will be more, this time without the Z signature. Hmm. On March 13, 1971, five months after Avery's article linking the Zodiac to the Riverside murder, the Zodiac mailed a letter to the Los Angeles Times. In the letter, he credited the police instead of Avery for discovering his Riverside activity, but they're, they're, only, they're only finding the easy ones. There are a hell of a lot more down there. The connection between Sherry Joe Bates... Riverside and the Zodiac remains uncertain. Paul Avery and the Riverside Police Department maintain that the Bates homicide was not committed by the Zodiac, but did concede some of their Bates letters may have been his work to claim credit. Yeah, so he was trying to have a claim to fame. So it wasn't and him. Wrote the he just, Z. Gotcha. Yeah, what a turd. What an asshole. Oy, oy, oy. This guy's a real asshole. This is my favorite story, but it's sad. But, okay. David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen. This was on December 20th, 1968 in Vallejo, California. Vallejo. Vallejo. Um, It was David, age 17, and Betty Lou. Oh, I didn't put her. She was probably 16. Let's just say. that's. Don't fact check me. (laughs) Um, But it was their first official date. How cute. Um. Betty Lou's parents forbid her to date because Melody, her older sister, had actually gotten pregnant, married, and divorced at a very young age. Hmm. So I guess they were a little jaded and I didn't want their that. poor old Betty Lou getting into the riffraff. The baby, yep. Um, so David and Betty had actually been seeing each other for a few months, but they had to keep it in secret because of their parents' issues. Uh, but they finally gave her the okay to go on a date. Betty Lou's best friend, Sharon, said that David had actually called her before picking up Betty and told her that he was going to ask Betty to go steady. Mm. How cute. And he actually had a ring for her. Oh. I'm assuming this is just like a go steady ring. Yeah. Not like a let's go get married ring. Right. Well, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. It was the time. Mm -hmm. Sharon believed that Betty would accept and actually suggested he take her to Blue Rock Springs, which would be a quiet place for them. For their date, oh. as children do. David, you dog. Oh. Oh, David. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was the last day of winter break, and they actually went to Sharon's house and were waiting for Sharon's boyfriend to get back so they could go out as a group. But her boyfriend was going to arrive later than normal, so Betty and David decided to go and leave by themselves. They climbed into David's station wagon and decided to head out to Lake Herman Road. Um, this road was secluded also but uh, was well-known by students because teachers would take them out there to practice for their driving exam. At 11.15 p.m., someone approached the station wagon. Shots were fired into the vehicle in an attempt to force them out. 
Um, Betty exited the front passenger door first, and then David followed. David was shot in the head at point-blank range and died within minutes as he left the car. Betty was shot five times in the back and killed instantly. The weapon was a 22 caliber semi-automatic pistol, and there was no indication of a robbery or sexual assault, and there were no witnesses. Man, that's so sad. Isn't that sad? Their first date. Yeah. They're so young, too. That's just a... Well, that makes me sick. A 22 caliber is tiny, right? Yeah, but it'll... I mean, I still, if you got shot in the head, I guess yeah. it would... And five shots by anything is going to yeah. do damage. Ugh. That's my favorite story because it just seems so sweet and yeah. then it ends so bad. Yeah, that's awful. Wow. Yeah. All right. The next one is Mike Magoo, who was 19, and Darlene Farron, who was 22, on July 5th, 1969, in Vallejo, California. Late on July 4th, 1969, Mike Magoo... Is that you say you think, Magoo? Sure. Yeah, I'll say that. Mike Magoo and Darlene Farron had gone to Blue Rock Springs Parks uh, in the outskirts of Vallejo to talk in Darlene's car. Darlene was married and was Mike's friend, in quotes. Mm. Mm-hmm. When they arrived, there were some teens lighting fireworks nearby, but they soon left, and the lot was empty. At 12.10 a.m., a... Light brown Corvair or Mustang pulled into the lot and turned off its headlights. It waited for a short period of time, then backed up and left. Ten minutes later, the car returned and parked close to Darlene's car. The driver got out of the vehicle and shined a flashlight on the couple as he walked towards them. Mike thought it was police, a police officer, so he, uh, so they, yeah, so he pulled or told her to pull out her ID. Uh, as the man got close to the car, um, he opened fire with a nine millimeter Luger. Five shots were fired. The driver then went back to his car. Mike screamed in pain, so the driver returned and shot Mike and Darlene two more times. Darlene was shot a total of five times and died of her injuries. Mike was shot four times but survived and gave the following description of the shooter. White, between 5'8", 5'9", late 20s to early 30s, stocky build, round face, and brown hair. About 45 minutes later, Nancy Slover, a police dispatcher, received a call from a man in a gas station phone booth who claimed to be the shooter. He told Nancy the location of his victims and took responsibility for David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen's murders that happened six months prior. That's crazy. Could you imagine receiving that call? No. Could you imagine being alive after your friend got murdered next to you? No. That would be so terrifying. I don't know, like PTSD just in a car, I feel like. Oh, yeah. That would be, yeah, that would suck. Yeah. Yeah, and to Nancy Slover, just at work, not knowing she's going to take, like, a really Mm. important call. Yeah, that'd be terrifying. So let's talk about these letters. Um, So this happened July 31st, 1969. The San Francisco Examiner, Chronicle, and the Vallejo Times-Herald received letters from a person claiming to be responsible uh, for Darlene, Mike, David, and Betty Lou. The letters provided details of the case that only the killer would know. Uh, It told the type of ammo used and included one-third of a 408-symbol cryptogram that the killer said contained his identity. The letters were all aligned with a crossed circle symbol that are used on Zodiac brand watches. Um, The killer demanded they be printed on each paper's front page or he would cruise around all weekend, killing lone people in the night, then move on to kill again until I end up with a dozen people over the weekend. Um, The Chronicle published its uh, third of the cryptogram on page four of the next day's edition. An article printed alongside the 
Code quoted Vallejo Police Chief Jack E. Stilitz <laughs> saying, We're not satisfied that the letter was written by the murderer and requested the writer send a second letter with more facts to prove his identity. The murders of the killer had threatened... Uh, the murders the killer had threatened be- if they didn't print them on page one right. uh, didn't happen. And eventually uh, all three parts were published. Could you imagine being that fucking watch brand? No. And then you just like hear about this murderer using your logo as like <laughs> it's his insignia. So whenever I was doing research, I didn't even know Zodiac was a brand of watch. No, I didn't know that either. That's So then I started Googling and that is exactly the circle with the line through it. That's their brand. And Maybe then, he's like a disgruntled employee. <clears throat> Possibly. I wonder where they were like based out of. I don't know. Probably Vallejo. Hmm. But that's uh, you can go to our Instagram too and see some of the the symbols on the cryptogram. Yeah, what they look like. Yeah, I had a posted like a preview type thing, and it has that stuff's incorporated in there. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I did a lot of research on. Um, Oh, what is it? This is, let me check my sources here. It was zodiackiller.com, very original. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's similar to the Dyatlov <clears throat> website where it just goes and goes and goes and there's yeah. all these rabbit holes you can go down and then it's, you know, it it gives you pictures of the actual letters. Um and the the cryptograph, and then it actually somebody was able to go in and look at the evidence. So there's like YouTube videos of oh, them wow. going through the box of files, and it's pretty cool. That's interesting. Yeah, so I would definitely, <clears throat> if you're interested in this case, go uh, check them out because there's a lot of a lot of stuff. I was Google that watch brand. They're from Switzerland. So oh man, well I don't know about geography. Maybe he's just like walking the streets and like, damn, that's a cool logo. <laughs> I'm going to use that. Damn, that sucks. No, those people were in Switzerland like, fuck. Right. <laughs> Damn it. I was going to do a, what is that, Swiss? Swiss? Swiss accent. I don't know how the fuck that sounds. What do they talk like? Oh, All I know is Australian. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only one you know how to and do? it's not perfect. Do it. Let's hear it. Good day, mate. Wow. Put another shrimp on the bottom. You're just talking normal, just saying Australian things. Yeah, I don't know. I have a weird thing. We have people from Australia that listen. We do. Send us some and audio I love, clips. And I love to hear Australians talk. I think they sound so interesting. Well, you just offended all of them. So. I'm sorry. <laughs> it really came from a place of love. I don't know about I'm that. I'm trying to mimic, and it's the greatest form of flattery, and I just really suck at it. Very badly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Zodiac Speaks, August 7th, 1969. Um, on August 7th, 1969, another letter was received at the San Francisco Examiner. And here's the letter they received. Dear Editor, this is the Zodiac speaking. In answer to your asking for more details about the good times I've had in Vallejo, I shall be very happy to supply even more material. By the way, are the police having a good time with the code? If not, tell them to cheer up. When they do crack it, it will. they will have me. On the 4th of July, I did not open the car door. The window was rolled down already. Uh, the boy was originally sitting in the front seat where I had begun firing. When I fired the first shot at his head, he leaped backwards at the same time, thus spoiling my aim. He ended up on the back seat floor in the back thrashing, thrashing out very violently with his legs. That's how I shot him in the knee. I did not leave the scene of the killing with squealing tires and racing engines as described in the Vallejo paper. I drove away quietly, slowly, as to not draw any attention to my car. 
The man who told the police about my car was was brown, was a Negro, about 40 to 45, rather shab- shabbily dressed. I was at the phone booth having some fun with the Vallejo cops when he was walking by. When I hung up the phone, uh, the, the damn thing began to ring, and that began to draw, to draw attention to me and my car. Last Christmas in that episode, the police were wondering as to how I could shoot and hit victims in the dark. They did not open, openly state this, but implied this by saying it was a well-lit night and I could see the silhouettes on the horizon. Bullshit. That area is surrounded by hills and trees. What I did was tape a small pencil flashlight to the barrel of my gun. If you notice in the center, center beam of light, if you aim it at a wall or ceiling, you'll see a black, dark spot in the center of the circle of light, about three to six inches across. When taped to a gun barrel, the bullet will strike exactly in the center of that black dot in the light. All I had to do was spray them as, as if it were a water hose. There was no need to use gun sights. I was not happy to see that I did not get the front page coverage. And he is a terrible... He's so bad at, like, spelling. These are all misspelled. Yeah, everything. I think that's on purpose. You think? I don't think he's that smart. Really? No. Who spells Christmas like that? Chris Maslin is what it looks like. Yeah. And then he doesn't say and. He puts plus signs. So do I. Do you? What does that mean? That's wrong. On the Zodiac? might be a murderer. That's what that means. That's what, oh, I don't no. like. I don't like it. No, I think that he was doing that to throw them off. It is funny because like the first paragraph doesn't have any misspellings hardly, and then the second one has a ton. Because so maybe like, you're right. Well, and then he uses stuff like "thus." Yeah. You don't say that if you're like not smart. I say "thus" all the time, and I'm afraid <laughs> <it. laughs> uh, Yeah. Uh, and he uses punctuation in the beginning, and then it looks like he's like, "Oh man!" Just like a run-on. I gotta get better at hiding my skills of writing. Yeah, it's very sporadic the yeah. way just everything about it is very. Yep. Kind of not tied together. But. Yeah. Maybe we. I wonder if we could post this letter. Probably. Yeah. Maybe we should post this so they can see like how his spellings are. And yeah, stuff. we can do that, and yeah. we'll post a picture of the. Uh, the cryptic thing too. Yeah. Just so you can see it. Okay. Uh, so the code is cracked. On August 8th, 1969, Donald and Betty Harden of Salinas, California. Salinas. 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 Saladinas. Salinas. That's <laughs> what it looks like. Um, anyway, they cracked the 408 symbol cryptogram. It contained a misspelled message in which the killer seemed to reference the most dangerous game. The most ga- dangerous game is a short story. Why does it suck so bad at talking? <laughs> the most dangerous game. The most dangerous game. <laughs> it's a short story, okay? Uh-huh. And it's about a big game hunter who falls off a yacht and swims to an isolated island where he's hunted by a rich man. Rich man. Rich man. Uh, he also said he was collecting slaves for the afterlife. No name appears in the decoded text, and the killer said that he would not give away his identity because it would slow his slave collection. You know, I don't like to judge people. This guy sounds like a real dickhead. Yeah. A real dick. Yeah. Don't like him. And what is he, a Jehovah? Don't they, like, don't they gather people? <laughs> you said Jehovah very aggressively. I know. Jehovah. <laughs> Jehovah. Do you know that song, Dude, Jump for Jehovah? Yeah. What is that? That's because I was trying to tell somebody about it, jump. and they act like I'm jump, making jump. it up, like I wrote it, <laughs> and I didn't, because that's probably very offensive to Jehovah Witnesses. It's probably very profitable, and too. And they probably don't even jump. They just knock on your door. Sometimes there's steps to the door. Maybe, if Man, they're like weird. feeling frisky. 
I don't, I don't want to talk about that anymore. Okay. We were stepping on some, some fine lines here. Sorry, Jehovah's. All right. for you. The next one is Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard, September 27th, 1969. Uh, Pacific Union College students Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard were picnicking at Lake Berryessa in Napa County, California, on a small island connected to a sand spit to Twink Oak Ridge. A white man about 5'11", weighing more than 170 pounds with combed greasy brown hair, approached them while wearing a black executioner's type hood and clip-on sunglasses over the eye slits and a bib on his chest that had a white 3x3 cross circle symbol. Nope. Don't sign me up for that. Yeah, That sounds terrifying. That's when you run. Yeah. He approached them with a gun that Hartnell believed to be a forty-five. The hooded man claimed to be an escaped convict from a jail with a two-word name, either Colorado or Montana, where he had killed the killed a guard and stole a car. He explained he needed their car and money to go to Mexico, and the vehicle he had was too hot. <laughs> what an excuse. Um, he had bought uh, pre-cut lengths of plastic clothesline and told Shepard to tie up Hartnell. Before he tied her up, the killer checked and tightened Hartnell's bonds after he saw that Shepard uh, had bound his hands too loosely. Hartnell initially believed this event was a robbery, but the man pulled a knife and stabbed them both repeatedly. Hartnell suffered six stab wounds and Shepard suffered ten. The the killer hiked 500 yards back up to Knoxville Road and drew a cross-circle symbol on Hartnell's car door with a black felt-tip pen and wrote beneath it, Okay, this is complicated. Vallejo, 1220, uh, 1968, 7-4, 1969, September 27, 1969, 6-30, uh, by knife. So mm. those are all the dates of the previous things. Yeah. Which is public knowledge, so it doesn't exactly mean he was him. No, but the hood, that's creepy then. That's, that's a new thing. Yeah, that's, that's why it's kind of fishy. So let me ask you this. We had a dispute the other day. I think <laughs> yeah. we need to ask it. Yeah. If you had to choose between getting shot or getting stabbed, what would it be? <laughs> yeah. Leave us a comment whenever in the, 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 the post. I think we should this. tell them what our thoughts are. Oh, ours, are. I would rather get shot a hundred times. I would probably, times. like, my first gut is to go with shot, but then I'm like, uh, I don't know. Stabbing is much slower, but it leaves less, like, the bullet could explode in your body and cause things to That is not get how hurt. bullets work. Yes, it is. Okay. Some bullets. I don't think so. And I feel like stabbing, and plus, I'm a little fluffy. Depends how big the knife is, if we're being honest. Well, like a machete, if it's, if it's I'm like going to say probably a bullet. Well, if it's like a pocket knife versus like a kitchen knife, I'd rather get stabbed with a pocket knife. Well, then duh. shot. Well, yeah. That's but like that saying, changes the whole argument. Well, no. That's like saying, okay, would you rather get shot with a 22 or a 45? Well, yeah, easy. Yeah, 22. so your your argument collapses on itself. No, it doesn't. Because I can say the same thing. No. So anyway, we're not going to get into it because I'm right. <laughs> no. But would yeah, you rather would you know. rather be shot or would you rather be stabbed? And give us the reasoning. We just don't want like a stabbed period. I you, mean, or you let could. us let us know what you think. Because I us. think that stabbing would be less. What's the word? Traumatic. What? To your body. Someone could look you right in the eyes and stab you. Yeah, but then you just get away from them if you're running. I don't run fast, Jordan. I'm not going to outrun a bullet. You're not going to outrun maybe, a stabbing either. I could maybe outrun a knife. Mm, I don't know. I don't. And then after, I don't know. We'll, we'll leave it at that. 
Yeah. So tell us. We could talk about this forever, but. Yeah. Definitely shot. You're right. All right. <laughs> At 7.40 p.m., the killer crashed the Napa County Sheriff's Office uh, from crashed? a... Crashed? Wow. Reading is hard, huh? Yeah. The killer called the Napa County Sheriff's Office from a paid telephone to report his latest crime. The caller first stated to the operator that he wished to report a murder. Uh, no, a double murder. Before stating that he had been the perp- perpetrator of the crime. The phone was found still off the hook minutes later at the Napa car wash on Main Street in Napa by KVON radio reporter Pat Stanley. That's the most basic name I've ever heard. Pat Stanley. Pat Stanley. That's a good one. Uh, it's uh, like Flad Stanley. <laughs> Damn. Rough life. Hmm. Uh, only a few blocks from the sheriff's office, yet 27 miles or 43 kilometers from the crime scene. Um, detectives were able to lift a still wet palm print from the telephone, but were never able to match it to any suspects. After hearing their screams for help, a man and his son who were fishing on a nearby cove discovered the victims and called for help by contacting park rangers. Napa County Sheriff's deputies Dave Collins and Ray Land were the first officers to arrive at the crime scene. Cecilia Shepard was conscious while Col- uh, when Collins arrived, providing him with the detailed descriptions of the attacker. Hartnell and Shepard were taken to Queen of the Valley Hospital in Napa by ambulance. Shepard lapsed into a coma during transport uh, to the hospital and never regained consciousness. She died two lays- days later, but Hartnell survived um, to recount the tale to the press. At, uh, Napa County Sheriff Deputy Ken Narlow, who was assigned to the case from the out- outset, worked on solving the crime until his retirement from the department in 1987. Whoa. That would be haunting. Yeah. Just every day. like. Well, then, like, what if those people would have got there a little sooner? Would she still be alive? Maybe. That's, that's horrible. Mm. That is the thing about, like, being... It's almost weird, like, how height could potentially play into that. Because if you have, like, more body, your organs are more spread out. So it's like less likely to hit something serious. I gotta tell if you, if you're a guy, you know, like if you're taller. Well, I gotta tell you that I'm heavy, like you didn't already know. <laughs> but it's kind of like a protective barrier. No. Yes, it is. No. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, so tell me this: you got a pocket knife, okay? Three inches. I probably got three inches of blubber. No, somebody can like go. They push in. So it's going to go past all that. Nah. It's still going to cut not you. Not true. Yeah. yeah, it's going to cut me, but it's going to go through my fat and not my organs. You don't know how science works. <laughs> no, I'm not a scientist, but I know that that makes sense. No. Uh-uh. Tell me I'm wrong, people. You're wrong. Because you can't. I'll tell you. Don't even, don't even worry about it, people. I got your back. Whatever. <laughs> I'm right. And this is good justification to me. I'm protecting my, my organs. <laughs> Paul Stein, October 11th, 1969. Two weeks later, on October 11th, 1969, a white male passenger. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like you didn't already know. Shit. A white male passenger entered the cab driven by Paul Stein. For reasons unknown. <laughs> what? You said Paul Stein on October 11th, 1969, about 18 times. <laughs> I just Wait. want people to know. <laughs> Paul I'm Stein was about. driving October 11, 1969 by a car driven by Paul Stein. <laughs> yeah. Okay. For reasons unknown, Stein drove one block past 
the destination the passenger requested. Hmm. The passenger then shot Stein once in the head Damn. with a 9 millimeter, took his wallet and keys, and ran away. Um, oh, I'm sorry, and tore away a section of Stein's blood-stained shirt. Uh, the passenger was observed by three teenagers across the street at 9.55 who, p.m. who called the police while the crime was in progress. They observed a man wiping the cab down before walking away toward the Presido, which is one block to the north of where they were. Uh, two blocks from the crime scene, patrol officer Don Folk and Eric Zelms responding to the call observed a white man walking along the sidewalk east on Jackson Street and stepping onto a stairway leading up to the front yard of one of the homes on the north side of the street. The encounter lasted only five or ten seconds. Hmm. Um, Folk. Folk estimated the white male pedestrian to be 35 to 45, um, about 5'10", with a crew cut similar to but slightly older than the description the teenagers gave, who observed the killer in and out of Stein's cab as to be about 25 to 30, with a crew cut about 5'8 or 5'9 inches tall. Um, The police radio dispatcher had initially alerted the officers to be on the lookout for a black suspect, so whenever they drove past and saw the guy, they didn't think anything of it because they thought they were looking for a black guy. Hmm. Um, search ensued, but no suspects were found. That was uh, This was the last official confirmed kill by the Zodiac Killer. Interesting. That's so, like, it's wild that people give, like, heights whenever they're describing someone. Cause I, I'm, I'm bad at that. Yeah, I'd be like, that guy was 18 feet tall. Right. <laughs> at least. <laughs> That's why they have, like, in stores, the thing on the door. You ever notice yeah, that? Yeah, so you can tell so how it, tall. The cashier. But yeah. I don't even think those are accurate. They're close. Because they're telling me I'm six foot tall, and that's a lie. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like seven foot tall. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the Stein murder was initially thought to be just a routine cab killing, just a robbery that escalated. Um, however, on October 13th, the San Francisco Chronicle received a new letter from the Zodiac containing a piece of the bloody shirt hmm. that he had taken. Um, this letter also included a threat about killing school children on a school bus. This is terrible. Yeah, wow. Well. Uh, the Zodiac wrote in quotes, just, sh- um, just shoot out the front tire and pick off the kitties as they come bouncing out. That's sick. That's terrible. That's, yeah, that's my worst nightmare. That's awful. Uh, the three teen witnesses worked with the police artist to prepare a composite sketch of Stein's killer. A few days later, the police artist returned, working with the witnesses to prepare a second composite sketch of the killer. Uh, detectives Bill Armstrong and David Toshi were assigned to the case. The San Francisco Police Department investigated an estimated 2,500 suspects wow. over a period of years. Hmm. We'll post pictures of the composite images, too, because there's, whenever you search him, it's, like, one of the first things that comes up. Yeah. But it's a pretty, like, iconic image. Mm Mm-hmm. But our Instagram, by the way, is Mr. Tracy Podcast, so if you want to see all these things we're posting about. Yeah, I guess we stopped doing that, because we just assume people know who we are now. Well, oh, yeah, tell them about Instagram and stuff like that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. Um, Kathleen Johns, uh, March 22nd, 1970, and this one's a suspected one. Uh, March 22nd, 1970, Kathleen Johns was driving from San Bernardino to Patalama to visit her mother. She was seven months pregnant and had her 10-month-old daughter beside her. 
While walking to Modesto, a car behind her began honking its horn and flashing its headlights. She pulled over and stopped. The man in the car, the car parked behind her and came up to the car, and he saw her right rear wheel bobbing and offered to tighten the lug nuts. Uh, after finishing, the man drove off, yet when Johns went to pull away, the wheel came almost completely off. The man returned to offer her a ride to the nearest gas station. She and her daughter climbed into the car. Nope. That's... Never pull over for anyone, friends. No. Not even cops. If you're on a, a road, like a long, dark road with nobody around. <laughs> Especially then. What do you mean? But like even if it's even a, if, if it's it's a the cop, possible situation. It, it could be you could call and ask if there's any units in the area. Yeah. And you won't get in trouble. That's the mostly for unmarked cop cars. Yeah. Because if they have like the lights and everything, I mean, it's pretty. Pretty legit. Yeah. Yeah. But unmarked park cop cars, yeah, yeah. you're not supposed to. And if anybody ever tries to like flash their lights, if you're going, keep going until you get somewhere with people around. Mm-hmm. I'm not stopping for anybody. Unless no. it's like a cop, obviously. But yeah. Yeah. They can flash all they want. Get up on me. I don't. Yeah. I'll break check the shit out of you. Oh, yeah. All right. During the car or the ride, the car passed several gas stations, but the man did not stop. For about 90 minutes, he drove back and forth around the back roads near Tracy. When Johns asked him why he wasn't stopping, he would change the subject. The driver finally stopped at intersections, and uh, and Johns jumped out with her daughter and hid in a field. The driver searched for her using a flashlight, telling her that he would not hurt her, but he gave up. Unable to find her, he got back into the car and drove off. Johns hitched a ride to the police station in Patterson. When Johns gave her statement to the sergeant on duty, she noticed that the police composite sketch of Paul Stein's killer and, and recognized him as the man who abducted her. Fearing he might come back to kill them, the sergeant had Johns wait in the dark <laughs> at the nearby Mills restaurant. When it, her car was found, it was gutted and torched. Why would he so, make her? I don't ever got that. They just used her as bait, basically, to try to draw the guy to her. That's well, that's creepy. I mean, I'm just yeah. saying. I'm sure that's not in practice now, but back in. That day, I mean, I'm sure they were like. Kathleen is a true hero. Yeah, that's it. Is a, I'm sure there was a, a bunch of police and oh, unmarked sure. cars, but, but still, just like yeah. driving out of a moving car with your with your child being pregnant. Yeah, I mean, you are a hero. Could you imagine the freaking hitch, like the hitching a ride to the police station after that no, happened? Like, I feel like I, I mean, just hoof it. You would. But then she's got a kid with yeah, her. Exactly. So, oh yeah, that'd that's be the so most terrifying bad. ride ever. Yeah. Most accounts say he threatened to kill her and her daughter while driving around, but at least one police report disputes that. John's account to Paul Avery of the Chronicle states that her abductor left his uh, left his car and searched for her in the dark with a flashlight. However, another police report sa- states that he did not leave the vehicle. So, little conflicting mm-hmm. reports there. Yeah. But you go, Kathleen. That's amazing. You're a great mom. Yeah. And then, yeah, Protecting even like a, agreeing to go mm-hmm. just sit in that parking lot like that, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a brave woman right there. Yeah. The next one is Donna Lass, September 6, 1970, in State Line, Nevada. So he's moving on. Mm-hmm. On March 22, 1971, a postcard to the Chronicle addressed to Paul Averly uh, and believed to be the Zodiac appeared to claim responsibility for the disappearance of Donna Lass on September 6, 1970. Made from a collage, I used to collage back in the day. Fucking of- advertisements and magazine lettering it featured a scene from an advertisement for forest pine condominiums and the text sierra 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 club (laughs) 
<laughs> How do you get Sahara? There no <laughs> I just like to say Sahara. <laughs> um, sought victim 12, peek through the pines, past Lake Tahoe areas, and around in the snow. Zodiac's cross circle symbol was in both the place of the usual return address and the lower right section of the front face of the postcard. Creepy. Mm-hmm. That is creepy. I always yeah, did. I always did my collages with like boys, like I remember Zawa. them. I remember them. You I did a like, good job. I mean, they were they were great. Okay, I wish I would have kept them. <laughs> but anyway, with creepy lettering and stuff, I don't like it. <laughs> like and ransom I, notes, you mean? Like, yeah, not about, into yeah. it. That takes a lot of time. We had to do that for an art class one time, and it was like, man, these serial killers are devoted because that's yeah, that that's takes not a long easy. Time. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Last was a nurse at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino. <laughs> Tahoe. Tahoe. Sahara Tahoe. Hotel and Casino. She worked until about 2 a.m. on September 6, 1970, uh, treating her last patient at 1.40 a.m. Uh, later that same day, both Lass's employer and her landlord received phone calls from an unknown male falsely claiming Lass had left town due to a family emergency. Just like H.H. H. Holmes used to do. Mm-hmm. Last was never found. Uh, what appeared to be a grave site was discovered near the Claire Tapan Lodge in Norton, California, on Sierra Club property. But an evacuation, oh, excavation, yielded only a pair of sunglasses. No evidence had been under, uncovered to connect the last disappearance with the Zodiac Killer definitively. Hmm. I'm just so glad I don't live <sighs> then. <laughs> When, like, you don't have a... I don't know. It's just... What do you... like without be lost, and you'll never find them. Yeah. It is... It's what so... What a weird concept. But that's... It's weird that cell phones are only, like, 25 years old, really. Yeah. Like... Because what would you do without... You probably don't even remember a time. Did you ever drive I, without a cell phone? Mm, uh, yes. No. I don't think so. I don't think so, either. No. I I used to. Oh, well, I rem- I had a phone, but it was like a Nokia mm-hmm. phone. Didn't have internet on it. Well, and yeah, I, but you still call people. Yeah. I remember getting lost, and I had to call Dad, who had to go to a computer and try to get Can directions pull up map for me. MapQuest. Yeah, MapQuest. Yep. I remember that on road trips, having yeah. pages and pages of maps. Yeah. Like, well. Do you remember maps? Yeah, but I'm like, I've, I've seen them. I've never like used one atlas? to get somewhere. <laughs> We've always map quest is like the first thing I remember. I don't remember ever using a map to like go to a place. Oh, I would never be able to get anywhere. No, you'd be fucked. Yeah, just stay home. Stuff like that. When I was, we always joke about whenever Allie got her license. I was nine, and we used to go to Target all the time, which is like a town over. And Allie got on the highway and went the opposite direction. And I was nine years old telling her how to get to Target. (laughs) She's 16. I was like, damn, this is. I'm just very confident. And when I decide something's happening, I just commit and we'd go for it. It was rough. I would have gotten to a Target eventually, just not the (laughs) one I would have intended on going to. You go far enough, you'll hit one. Yep. (laughs) All right. These are just some some more letters. Um, On October 20th, 1969. Someone claiming to be the Zodiac called the Oakland Police Department, demanding that one of two prominent lawyers, F. Lee Bailey or Melvin Belly, those sound very lawyery. F. Yeah. Lee, if you have a a one letter first name, you just go by your first letter. That's a. You could do that. Just J. J. Allen. But J sounds like a, a name. F doesn't sound like a name. Yeah. <laughs> That's a power move, F. Lee <laughs> Bailey. <laughs> Uh, they appear on AM San Francisco 
uh, a talk show hosted by Jim Dunbar. Bailey was not able available, but Belly did appear on the show. Dunbar had the studio to keep lines open, and eventually uh, someone claimed to be the Zodiac called several times and said his name was Sam. Belly agreed to meet with him in Daly City, but the suspect never showed. Hmm. Just Ghosted him. That's the thing. Like, you can't just tell people you're going to have the Zodiac on the show. Like, Yeah. Because that's, well, I don't, I don't really say they did, but... Well, and it's, was this a time well, before you could, like, um, do the, ID. yeah, not yeah. caller ID, but, like, pinpoint where somebody's calling from? Yeah, pro- well, I yeah, don't know probably. when that happened, but. Yeah, it's just, that whole scene, things, they're just kind of asking for trouble. Yep. Waiting for a call from this, yeah, it's kinda, that was never destined to work. Um, November 8th, 1969, the Zodiac mailed a card with another cryptogram consisting of 340 characters. The 340-character cipher has never been decoded. A number of possible solutions have been suge- suggested, but nothing was definitive. That's wild. It's still like People still work on that. I read a bunch of articles about people still trying to figure it out. That's insane. And it's like, I wonder my, if... My brain does not work with like puzzles like that. No. So it's, it's amazing to me that you can figure it out. I bet I almost... I don't want to say guarantee, but I bet that it was nothing. It was just Probably a bunch just of letters. Cause that's, yeah, because he was like, if you figure this out, you'll find me. Yeah. Like, why would you intentionally send the cops? Well, a lot of serial killers want yeah, to be found, Yeah, they want to be found. Though. Yeah, but I, I, don't, I just have a feeling. Something in my gut just says it's it was just a bunch of nothing. Yeah. Just a baloney. To, yeah. That makes the most sense to me anyway. Um, November 9th, uh, 1969, the Zodiac mailed a seven-page letter stating that two policemen stopped and spoke with him three minutes after he'd shot Stein. Pieces of the letter were published in the Chronicle on November 12th, uh, including the Zodiac's claim. That same day, Officer Don Folk uh, wrote a memo explaining what had happened the night of Stein's murder. Uh, December 20th, 1969, exactly one year after the murders of Faraday and Jensen, the Zodiac mailed a letter to Belly that included another piece of Stein's shirt, and the Zodiac wanted Belly to help him. How big of a piece did he take from this dude's shirt? It's probably, I mean, yeah, probably just a lot. It's probably a lot because you, you rip it. It's not just going to be like a small piece, yeah. I would think. But Yeah, and I bet officers probably did stop him and talk to him. That happens a lot, too, like mm-hmm. Ted Bundy. That always makes me think of um, the D.C. snipers. Yeah. How they would, like, drive. They had those, like, stops every day, mm-hmm. and they were looking for the wrong car. Yeah. And they were looking for white guys, and it was. That's, that is that We'll have to do an episode on that. Yeah, yeah, that's terrifying. Just I remember. Being at a gas station. Yeah. Ugh. That was like what two thousand or something like that. Yeah, somewhere around there. Because I remember watching that on the news, and I was like, I was little, yeah. and I was like, whoa, this is. I don't want to go anywhere in a car. Well, even like, like Jack Reacher, how in Pittsburgh they shot. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a planned thing, and he knew the people, but he shot people across from a parking garage by the Pittsburgh Stadium, and yeah, we Park, we yeah. go to that stadium. And I got to tell you, after watching that movie and then going there and being, like, standing next to the river, it's very eerie. It, is, it almost feels like it's real, like it really yeah. happened. Yeah, But it's also weird that, that, like, sometimes movies and stuff put things into people's heads. So, like, yeah. somebody could look at that, that as – because you can see the whole stadium from there. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of creepy. Yeah. I wonder if they put people, I don't know, over there, like, cops and stuff like, on the buildings. Because oh, it's, sure. like, the whole – Skyline's right across the river. Yeah. So if you're on top of any of those buildings, that could be terrible. I don't know. But yeah, that's that's bad to think about. Yeah. It hurts my belly. Yeah. All right. The final letter and later letters, which is kind of contradictive. 
Um, After the Pines card, the Zodiac remained silent for nearly three years. The Chronicle then received a letter from the Zodiac postmarked January 29, 1974, praising The Exorcist as the best satirical comedy that I have ever seen, which is kind of (laughs) weird. Uh, the letter included a snippet of a version from the Mikado and an unusual symbol at the bottom that had remained unexplained by researchers. Uh, Zodiac concluded the letter with a new score. Me equals 37. <laughs> SFPD <sighs> equals zero. So he's claiming to have killed 37 people. Yeah. And yeah. Hmm. And the PD's got nothing. What a jerk. I mean, yeah, he kills people. So I mean. <laughs> and he's also very into himself. Yeah. That's like a lot of killers seem to be egomaniacs and they're very, they're um, like sociopaths. So they're yeah. very good with people, yeah. which is weird. We probably, you run into several serial killers in your lifetime. Yeah. On the streets. That's what I've heard, but I don't know. I don't You'll know, never to, know. I don't talk to people on the streets, You'll so I'm not worried know. about it. Uh, further communications sent by the public to members of the news media, uh, some contain similar characteristics of previous Zodiac writings. The Chronicle received a letter postmarked February 14, 1974, informing the editor that the initials for the... Oh, geez. Symbionese Liber- Liberation Army. Ooh. Boom. Symbionese. <laughs> uh, Liberation <laughs> Army. Spell it out... An Old Norse word meaning kill. However, the handwriting was not authenticated as Zodiac. A letter to the Chronicle, postmarked May 8th, 1974, featured a complaint that the movie Badlands was murder glorification and asked the paper to cut its advertisements, signed only a citizen. The handwriting, tone, and surface area were all similar to early Zodiac communications. The Chronicle received an anonymous letter postmarked July 8, 1974, complaining of their publishing the writings of the anti-feminist columnist Marco Spinelli. The letter was signed The Red Phantom. Hmm. Uh, The Zodiac's authorship of this letter is debated. Interesting. The Red Red Phantom. Phantom. But it's, yeah, that doesn't make much sense. It's 1974, and that's the first time he's referred to himself as that. So it doesn't really. I think these are all. Just want to be easier. Yeah. Want to take the credit or whatever. Get I mean, if, off if, of it. I mean, all of the letters were out there, so you could just copy and right, kind of yeah. make your own. Yeah. Um, a letter dated April 24th, 1978, was initially deemed authentic, but was declared a hoax less than three months later by three experts. Uh, Dave Toshi, the SFPD homicide detective who'd worked the case since the the Stein murder, was thought to have forged the letter because author Armstead Malpin believed the letter to be similar to fan mail he received in 1976, which he believed was um, authored by Toshi. When he admitted to writing the fan mail, Toshi denied forging the Zodiac letter and was eventually cleared of all charges. Hmm. The authenticity of this letter remains unverified. How, like, that would be bad to be a homicide detective working on the case and somebody says, oh, well, you forged this, like, you created this. That's a bad look. That's an interesting premise for, like, a movie, though. Oh. If you're, like, it's a, well, I'm sure that's been a thing. That Are we going to be producers now, too? <laughs> that's had to have been a thing, like a cop committing murders. That's well, yeah. had to have been a. Well, yeah. Well, and, like, covering it up, like, actively on the case. Oh, what's that movie? Oh, no. He wasn't actively on the case, kind of. The movie with Bruce Willis and they're in Pittsburgh. Oh, uh, the, uh, 
what is that? That's striking a, point. Yes. Or something like that. Striking that's such a good striking movie. distance. Striking that's distance. Yeah. That's such a good movie. Yeah, it is. Dumps them in the river. Mm-hmm. What's with all this Pittsburgh stuff? <laughs> There's a lot of good movies out of Pittsburgh. I guess. A lot of killing. Mm. Um, the last one on March 3rd, 2007, hmm. a American greeting card, Christmas card was sent to the Chronicle postmarked 1990. That's crazy. Whoa. So what? It just get lost in the mail. I don't know how that works. Because I think you have to have that date on it whenever you send it. Like, right. Oh, I don't know. Um, but it was in Eureka and had recently been discovered in their photo files by editorial assistant Daniel King. Inside the envelope was, with the card was a photocopy of two U.S. postal keys on a magnet keychain. The handwriting on the envelope resembles Zodiac's print but was declared inauthentic by forensic document examiner Lloyd Cunningham. However, not all Zodiac experts agreed with his analysis. There's no return address on the envelope, nor is his cross-circle signature to be found. Hmm. The card itself is unmarked. The Chronicle turned over all the material to the Vallejo Police Department for further analysis. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Here's the current status of investigations. In April 2004, the SFPD marked the case inactive, citing caseload pressure and resource demands, effectively closing the case. However, they reopened the case somewhere before March 2007. The case is open in Napa County and the city of Riverside. In May 2018, the Vallejo Police Department announced their intention to attempt to collect the Zodiac Killer's DNA from the back of stamps he used during his correspondence. Ooh. That's interesting. Uh, the analysis by a private laboratory is expected to utilize an advanced new technique that is able to separate DNA from the glue present on the back of stamps. Wow. It, that's in, fascinating. Separating the DNA from the glue. That's pretty wild. That is science. Uh, science. <laughs> that reminds me of 21 Jump Street. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, science. Uh, it is hoped the Zodiac Killer may be caught in a similar fashion as the Golden State Killer. In May 2018, a Vallejo police detective says that the results were expected in several weeks. However, as of December 20, 2019, uh, no results have been reported. That's a long time. So I'm guessing... Nothing happened, and then they just didn't want it to become a big media frenzy, so they just kind of shoved it under the rug. I bet. Do you think that he'll ever, like, DNA evidence will eventually catch him? No. You think he's dead? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I would guess. I don't know. All right. Let's talk about the suspects. The first one, this is the biggest one. Everybody thinks this guy's the guy. Uh, his name is Arthur Lee Allen. Sounds like a serial killer to me. Three names. Three What's names. given. Robert Graysmith's book, Zodiac, listed Arthur Lee Allen as a potential suspect based on circumstantial evidence. Like you do. Allen had been interviewed by police from the early days of the Zodiac investigation and was the subject of several search warrants over a 20-year period. In 2007, Graysmith noted that several police detectives described Allen as the most likely suspect. However, in 2010, Toshi stated that all the evidence against Allen ultimately turned out to be negative. Hmm. On October 6, 1969, Allen was interviewed by Detective John Lynch of the Vallejo Police Department. Allen had been reported in the vicinity of Lake Baressa um, again, uh, with the attack of Hartnell and Shepard on September 27, 1969. He described himself as scuba diving at Salt Point on the day of the attacks. 
Allen again came to police attention in 1971 when his friend Donald Cheney reported to police in Manhattan Beach, California, that Allen had spoken of his desire to kill people, use the name Zodiac, and secure a flashlight to a fire, firearm for visibility at night. According to Cheney, this conversation occurred no later than January 1st, 1969. Huh. I mean, that's really... I say I want to kill people all the time. But the fact he talked about a flashlight, and that's what the guy talked about, which is kind of... You think Grandpa ever secured a flashlight to a gun? No. You don't think so? Why? So he He's not it. killing at night. So he had visibility at night. Nobody hunts at night. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you might have got me there. Uh, Jack Molnax of the Vallejo Police Department wrote, Allen had received another, um, uh, had received an other than honorable discharge from the U.S. Navy in 1958 and had been fired from his job as an elementary school teacher in 1968 after allegations of sexual misconduct with students. Never good. Mm -mm. He was generally well regarded by those who knew him, but he was also described fixated on young children and angry at women. He apparently never had a girlfriend or a wife. I mean, those, those people, though, that got the women... Weren't like super young, who he shot, hmm? like the victims. Uh, the kids. I mean, yeah, they're seventeen, sixteen, something like that. Yeah. Um, in September 1972, San Francisco police obtained a search warrant for Allen's residence. In 1974, Allen was arrested for committing lewd acts upon a 12 year old boy. He pleaded oh. guilty and served two years in prison. That makes me sick. Yes. If that, oh, I don't have kids, but if I had a kid and somebody, did, they would be dead. I would be in a straitjacket. I yeah. think. Yeah. Vallejo police served another search warrant for his residence in 1991. Two days after Allen's death in 1992, they served another warrant and seized property from his residence. Other evidence um, existed against Allen, um, but it's entirely circumstantial. A letter sent to the Riverside Police Department from Bates Killer was typed with a royal print typewriter with an, an elite type the same brand found during february 1991 at allen's residence that is very circumstantial i'm sure a lot of people mom had a typewriter right um he owned and wore a zodiac brand wristwatch he lived in vallejo and worked minutes away from where one of zodiac victims farron lived and where one of the killings took place hmm. i mean we're getting a little closer it's getting it make more sense yeah yeah In 2002, SFPD developed a partial DNA profile from saliva on stamps. Um, They compared the partial DNA to the DNA of Arthur Lee Allen, but a DNA comparison was also made with the DNA of Don Chaney, who was Allen's former close friend and the first person to suggest Allen may be the Zodiac. Oh. Oh. So maybe him. Since neither test result indicated a match, Allen and Chaney were excluded as the contributors of the DNA. Hmm. What a guy. If you were really the Zodiac, <laughs> you're like, I think my dude's the Zodiac. No, I think I know who that bitch was. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty smart. That's wild. Yeah. Um, Retired police handwriting expert Lori Cunningham, who worked on the Zodiac case for decades, added, They gave me banana boxes full of Alan's writing, and none of his writing even came close. Uh, Nor did DNA extracted from envelopes come close. Um, While police often used document examiners during investigations, court rulings on the significant validity of handwriting analysis had been mixed to negative. So it's not him, is what they're saying. Right. 
So. All right. Here's some other suspects. In 2007, a man named Dennis Kaufman claimed to be the stepfather of Jack Terrence. Um, oh, he claimed that his stepfather, Jack Terrence, was a Zodiac. Kaufman uh, turned several items over to the FBI, including a hood similar to the one worn by the Zodiac. According hmm. to news sources, DNA analysis conducted by the FBI on the items was deemed inconclusive in 2010. Have you ever seen that hood? Yeah, it's weird. I feel like that's not something you just have laying no. in the back of your closet. But it's also like, that only he only used that once. Yeah. That so, just seems very weird to me. That, that I he don't, only used it one time. I don't think, I think that was just a coincidence. That it wasn't really him? I think that was a wannabe. Because he, oh. he carved all the, the, the dates. dates. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Maybe. I don't think the real Zodiac would memorize the dates he did them. I think yeah. like a super fan, which is like a gross thing to be, but right. like a fan of him. He wanted to like recreate his and stuff. And then so. it makes sense that they, he wore the hood because yeah. then they wouldn't be able to identify him as yeah. being him or not being him. And he wore like big like the covered, like it yeah. wasn't like, yeah. It was very ambiguous huh. like type clothing. Did we just, we just cracked a copycat. Then, you know, he like killed him then he kind of like paid tribute to the mm-hmm. real guy, which mm-hmm. is kind of fucked, but. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that was him. Yeah. If I, I'm not a cop, but fuck, maybe I should be. Because <laughs> damn, cracking this bitch wide open. Uh, All right. And in, in 2009, a former lawyer named Robert Tarbox, who in August 1975 was disbarred by the California Supreme Court for failure to pay some clients. Hmm. <laughs> so he sounds Credible. like a trustworthy guy. Incredible. <laughs> uh, said that in the early 1970s, a merchant mariner walked into his office and confessed to him that he was a zodiac. The seemingly lucid uh, seaman, whose name was <laughs> <laughs> his name's Tarbox, would not reveal due to confidentiality. So he won't pay people, but he's he's like, oh, I can't tell you who it is. Right. I'm gonna rip you off, but I I've got a <laughs> got some morals. Yeah. Uh, he described his crimes briefly, but persuasively and uh, persuasively enough to convince Tarbox. The man said he was trying to stop himself from the opportunistic murder spree, but never returned to see Tarbox again. Tarbucks took out a full-page ad in Vallejo Times-Herald uh, that, that he claimed he, he would clear the name of Arthur Lee Allen as a killer. His only reason for revealing the story 30 years later after the fact, uh, Robert Graysmith, the author of several books on the Zodiac, said Tarbox's story was entirely plausible. Hmm. Wouldn't that be some shit? Like, some, you're just, like, working one day, and somebody walks in, like, I killed all these people, and then walks out. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. What do you do with that? He's like, I just got to tell somebody. And then he just... <laughs> He <laughs> walks out, never see the guy again. Mm. Um, in 2009, an episode of the History Channel television series Mystery Quest looked at the newspaper editor Richard uh, Gakowski, 1936-2004. During the time of the murders, Gakowski worked for, the, for Good Times, a San Francisco counterculture newspaper. His appearance resemble, resembles the composite s- sketch in Nancy Slover, the Vallejo police dispatcher who was contacted by the Zodiac shortly after the Blue Rock Springs attack had identified a recording of Gakowski's voice as being the same as the Zodiac's. That's pretty crazy. That is wild. That could be true because he was a newspaper editor and he wanted to send all these to the newspapers to publish them. But he never sent it to his newspaper. Well, yeah, because that'd be too much. Maybe he hated that he wasn't working at like a real newspaper, quote unquote. Right. So then he's like, I'm going to get these fucks. Yeah. And then... There was a plan, maybe, that didn't See, fully These would be come. interesting. Like, you're talking about Quentin Tarantino movies. Like, if they made one of these the movie, yeah, that would be interesting. That would be. Quentin, get on Quentin, it. Quentin, we know you're listening, dude. Just do it. Do it. Convicted murderer Edward Wayne Edwards. <laughs> wow. Those mm, parents suck. Ed, Ed. Edward Edwards 
What the fuck? 1933-2010 was raised as a, poss- as a possible Zodiac suspect based on circumstantial evidence. Edwards was in and out of jail and prison for armed robbery uh, and other offenses during the 1950s and 60s. He was on the FBI's most wanted list. So that's not a good place to be. Not a good place. No. After being paroled, he wrote two books about his uh, supposed rehabilitation and appeared on the game show To Tell the Truth. Hmm. Probably wasn't very good at it. <laughs> Maybe he was. He went to jail. <laughs> he was like, man, I can't hold this shit in. <laughs> However, Edward's daughters reported him to the police in the early 2000s due to suspicions he had killed people in the 70s and 80s. Edwards was ultimately convicted of five murders and died in prison. He was raised as a Zodiac suspect due to his travels to California in the late 1960s, his habit of attacking couples, and Edwards served in the U.S. Marines while Zodiac was believed to be in, was believed to have military experience. Mm, that's that, a good one, too. That explains the Merchant Marine. Maybe the last two combined were intertwined. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Retired police detective Steve Hodel argues in his book, The Black Dahlia Avenger, that his father, George Hodel, 1907 to 1999, was the Black Dahlia killer, whose victims included Elizabeth Short. Uh, The book led to the release of previously suppressed files and wire recordings by the Los Angeles Police District Attorney's Office of his father, which showed the elder Hodel had indeed been a prime suspect in Short's murder. District Attorney Steve Kay subsequently wrote a letter to which is published in the revised edition, stating that if Hodel were still alive, he would be prosecuted for the crimes. In a follow-up book, Hodel argued a circumstantial case that his father was also the Zodiac Killer. Hmm, Upon busy. A, yeah, no kidding. Upon a police sketch, the similarity of the style of the Zodiac's letters and the Black Dahlia Avengers letters are questioned, uh, oh, and questioned document examination. I don't think that's the same. This guy, that's weird. What a weird thing to be like, my dad's a murderer. Well, he, um, I've listened to a podcast that he was on, the Hodel guy, and then he was also on an episode of Ghost Adventures, because y'all know I love that show. That's, that's weird to me. But he was showing them the house that he grew up in, and... Did he seem like he wanted to be famous? Like, full of himself? I don't know if you'd want to, I don't know why you'd want to be famous for that. Well, Well, he wrote a second book about his dad possibly being another... Mm-hmm. Huge serial killer. So I that's a like weird thing to do. And he was on Ghost Adventures. Yeah, that's like you're stretching so you your gut. This guy that. just wants to be famous, or yeah, that's weird I, to me. The the Zodiac Killer and the Black Dahlia have nothing murder wise. Like both in California. Face. Well, and he was like the Black Dahlia was doctor, like precise, right. Cutting, yeah, organ stuff. Mm-hmm. Like not just shoot him in the back of the head. Right, yeah, stuff. that's there's no, no, that's what I don't that guy. I don't, I don't, never seen that guy. I don't know that guy. I don't like him. Yeah, don't like him. He'd look like you'd think he would, like a dick. Yep. Yeah, it's weird how you get your mind just like you're like, oh, I know what that He's dude's like, like. Balding on top. Yeah, yeah. On February nineteenth, two thousand eleven, America's Most Wanted featured a story about the Zodiac Killer. In two thousand ten, a picture surfaced of known Zodiac victim Darlene Farron and an unknown man who closely resembles the composite sketch. Formed by formed based on eyewitness descriptions of the Zodiac Killer. Police believe the photo was taken in San Francisco in the middle of 1966 or 1967. Mm. Um, former California Highway Patrol Officer Lyndon Lafferty said the Zodiac was a 91-year-old Salino County, California man whom he called the pseudonym George Russell Tucker. 
using a group of retired law enforcement officers called the Mandamus Seven, Lafferty discovered Tucker and outlined and outlined an alleged cover up for why they use why he was not pursued. Tucker died in February 2012 and was not named because he was not considered to be a suspect by police. Mandamus. What do you? What is that? It's the name that they called themselves. Mandamus. All I want to that say must is be a, Amadeus. Amadeus. <laughs> that must be a area they lived. That's a yeah. That's not uh, a Amadeus. that doesn't roll off the tongue very well. In February 2014, it was reported that a man named Louis Joseph Myers. All these fucking guys have three names. They're all killers. You never go by your middle name. Never. Avoid that. Nothing good is associated with them. Um, Louis Joseph Myers had confessed to a friend in 2001 that he was a Zodiac killer. (laughs) After learning he was, he confessed after learning, learning he was dying from cirrhosis of the liver. So... That's something you do. Mm. Get all your, empty the skeletons in your closet. Um, He requested that his friend, Randy Kenny, go to the police upon his death. Myers died in 2002, but Kenny allegedly had difficulties getting officers to cooperate and taking the claim seriously. Duh. Yeah. There are several potential connections between Myers and the Zodiac case. Myers attended the same high school as the victims, David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen, and allegedly worked in the same restaurant as victim Darlene Farron. Wow, that's Mm. pretty interesting. Could be true. Myers had also ac- uh, had access to the same sort of military boot whose prints was found at the Lake Berryessa crime scene. Furthermore, during the 1971-1973 period, when no Zodiac letters were received, Myers was stationed overseas from the, with the military. Wow, that's... Hmm, maybe pretty. it was him. Kenny says that uh, Myers confessed that he targeted couples because he had a bad breakup with a girlfriend. While officers associated, uh, associated with the case are skeptical, they believe the story is credible enough to investigate. Yeah, sounds like there's a lot of connections. Yeah, that's very interesting. Hmm. Another one, Robert Ivan Nichols. <laughs> fucking <laughs> names here. Oh, wow, he's got another name, and it's also three names, a.k.a. Joseph Newton Chandler III. This <laughs> 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 formerly unidentified, or unidentified identity thief. Wow, that's a sentence. Was a formerly unidentified identity thief. <laughs> <laughs> who committed suicide in Eastlake, Ohio in July 2002. After his death, investigators were able to locate his family and discovered that he had stolen the identity of an eight-year-old boy who was killed in a car crash in Texas in 1945. The lengths to which Nichols went to hide his identity uh, led to speculation that he was a violent fugitive. In late 2016, U.S. Marshals Service uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, announced that forensic genealogist Dr. Colleen Fitzpatrick of Identifiers International. That sounds like a fake thing. Like the mystery machine. Identifiers International here. (laughs) Uh, uh, Compared the then unidentified man's YSTR profile to public genetic genealogy YSTR databases to determine that his possible last name was Nicholas. 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 In 2017, Fitzpatrick, along with Dr. Margaret Press, formed the nonprofit DNA Doe Project, which revisited the case by analyzing the man's autosomal DNA using the same methodology they use in identifying Deborah Jackson and Lyle Stevick. In March 2018, the DNA Doe Project identified the man as Robert Ivan Nichols. Um, the U.S. Marshal Service announced the identification Identification at a press conference in Cleveland on June 21st, 2018. 
Authorities believe that he was a fugitive of some kind. There are many theories that he have been he may have been running back or running from. Uh, none of them were confirmed. Some internet sleuths suggested that he might have been the Zodiac Killer, as his resemblance resembled the police sketches of the Zodiac Killer and had lived in California, uh, around the area the Zodiac operated. Another theory was that he was Stephen Campbell, an engineer from Cheyenne, Wyoming, uh, and was wanted for attempted murder. Um, Authorities also considered that he could have been a German soldier or Nazi official from World War I who had escaped to the United States, and that's why he was using a fake name. World War Two. Sorry, yeah, there were no Nazis in World War One. No, not not known to us anyway. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that one's all over the place. I don't really. That one seems like BS to me. Yeah. Um, in 2014, Gary Stewart published a book, "The Most Dangerous Game of All," in which nope. The most. Oh wow! The most dangerous animal. <laughs> so close, but so far, the most dangerous animal of all in which he claimed his search for his biological father, Earl Van Best Jr., <laughs> four names, led him to conclude the man was a Zodiac killer. In 2020, the book was adapted for the FX network as a documentary series. Hmm. Uh, if you were an animal, what, could, what would you be? A fucking uh, tiger. Really? Yep. Like Tiger King Tiger? Oh. Like Walmart meat tiger? No. Like, a like African one in the tiger. wild? Yeah. Huh. Okay. What about you? Shark. Great white. Yep, that'll do Specific. it. Specific. Mako. No. Fast. I'm not fast. I'm a great white <laughs> shark. <laughs> I'm big, beautiful, and deadly. <laughs> uh, Ted Kaczynski, also known as Unabomber, was also once thought to be the Zodiac Killer. I don't think so. No, that seems like bullshit. Yep. Ross Sullivan and Lawrence Kane are suspected of being the Zodiac Killer. I don't know who they are, but I don't think they are either. <laughs> I don't know you, and I don't like you, and you're a liar. And you're not the Zodiac. <laughs> the Zodiac is also suspected to be the monster of Florence. Which I know nothing about. Me neither. But. Maybe we'll talk about it someday. Maybe. Stay tuned. Hmm. Hit that subscribe button. Right. <laughs> so who do you think it is? I think it's, I don't know. There's some very good. I think this Louis Joseph Meyer, the cirrhosis liver guy. Yeah. I think he's the dude. And he was drinking his whole life to cover it up because he couldn't deal with yeah, the pain. he was upset. Mm-hmm. And he was just pissed off because he had a bad breakup with a girlfriend. If you did That's that, you'd kill so many people. What? <laughs> what does that mean? That means you break up with a lot of women. No, I don't. Okay. What's happening? Why are you getting so angry? I don't like it. <laughs> that was a long time, though. It was like five-year span. He holds grudges. I get it. I feel like you get over a breakup better. Like mm, I don't know. Maybe it's just like one after the other and he can't catch a break. These people are having a joyous time out in remote parts of the land and Mm -hmm. he wants to shoot them. Keep talking. Yeah. Paint a picture. That's all. That's all I got. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I think it's that guy because it's, that's wild that he was, all those things line up. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's weird that they didn't take him seriously. Right. Like it is. Because he was dead. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, And it's a secondhand account. Yeah. Because it's his friend telling the police. If whenever I'm going to die on my deathbed, I'm going to say, I'm Lee Harvey Oswald <laughs> something <laughs> ridiculous. I shot him. I shot him on the grass, you know. I shot him. <laughs> There's a second shooter. You're like, what did she just say? Her last words are her second shooter. <laughs> <laughs> and then you guys will be left with a mystery the rest of your That'd life. That would be so funny. I'm like, 
That'd be the most hilarious way to die. Just uh, leave the doctor like completely dumbfounded. <laughs> like, what the fuck it just happened? It was me. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd be like, what? What? It what? was me. <laughs> and then you're dead. <laughs> or just say something like terrible. Like, they're in the basement. Right. <laughs> right. Like, what basement? They're coming to get you. <laughs> they're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> Um, oh, man. So um, the sources, I was talking earlier about the Zodiac Killer. There's lots of pictures, dives into the victims, the suspect, gives you more on that Arthur Allen dude, which I don't think was the Zodiac. Um, and like I mentioned, lots of videos from the evidence room and shows the original letters, evidence. All, I think there was even the shirt piece. Oh, wow. Um, and then I looked at ZodiacKillerFacts.com. Wikipedia and EndlessMuseum.com. Hmm. Yes. Interesting. Yes. So since we didn't shout it out in the beginning, you want to tell them what our information is so they can get a hold of us via um, all platforms? Yes. So we got a lot of things to talk about. <laughs> we got just on, well, just really Instagram. We have Mr. Tracer Podcast on Instagram. That's really where we primarily post. Yeah. Post the most often. Facebook's kind of, there's not really a lot of engagement. No. So it's kind of, and same thing with Twitter. We don't really use it, but it's Mystery History on Twitter and Mystery History Podcast on Facebook. But mysteryhistorypodcast.com, we have all of our episodes. We have merch, shirts, stickers, pillows. Pillows. Um, Gotta get all it. All that's good stuff. And there's a link on our website on the contact page, which you can send us a voice message. Yes. Nobody's which, done that yet. No. We want to see hear, how it works. Yeah. Tell us who you think the Zodiac is. Tell us. What'd you have for breakfast? Would Would you rather get shot or stabbed? Yeah, let us know that way. Ooh. Then we have a debate. I love it. Yeah, just, uh, just it's a good way to talk to us. And yeah. we always try to answer our DMs on our on Instagram and everything like that. So it's it's cool to interact with you guys. So yep. just uh, keep posting. Keep talking to us. Keep talking. Yep. All right. You got anything else? I don't think so. Fuck horses. Fuck horses. (laughs) See you next week. See you all next week. Mm.